Welcome to Earthly, a Clemson University podcast discussing issues of agriculture, horticulture, nature, and design impacting the world, nation, state of South Carolina, and even your home. Here's your host, Jonathan Veet. Feral hogs have been described in sun scientific literature as ecological zombies. They number in the millions, eat everything in sight, and damage farms, fields, and forests. On this Halloween edition of Earthly, I talked to Greg Yarrow and Andrew Jamison about the feral hog problem. Yarrow is interim dean of Clemson's College of Agriculture, Forestry, and Life Sciences and a professor of wildlife biology. Jameson is a graduate student. They are going to talk about what makes these ecological zombies so difficult to control. They're also going to tell us once and for all whether Hogzilla, the 800-pound animal allegedly killed in South Georgia, is fact or folklore. Greg and Andrew, welcome to Earthly. First, we know that feral hogs are an invasive species, yet it seems like they've been with us forever. Give us some background about how they came to North America. Thank you, Jonathan. It's great to be here. Feral hogs, wild hogs are are not native to North America. We have pretty strong evidence that they were brought over from Europe, at least with the early explorers and settlers, and became established in a lot of wetland areas. And um, over time, uh, Eurasian wild boars were also released for hunting purposes, so they were they were brought over to, to the country. And I would like to add in, a lot of people think we have a native pig, but we don't. Um, the javelina is not actually a pig, it's a peccary, and while it you know, looks like a pig, it is not actually considered a pig. Talk about the animal itself, uh, the, the, the feral hog itself. What, what is its life cycle? How large can they grow to be, and, uh, and what do they eat? Yeah, um, they're really amazing animals. They are born... Uh, any time of the year, the, the females can have two litters, at least two litters, and usually they have somewhere between 10 and 14, maybe averaging 12 piglets. And the, the thing that makes them a challenge is that they're very prolific. They p- can reach sexual maturity in six months. So that means a young pig at six, mo- six months of age could potentially breed. So you've got a very prolific animal on the landscape. They eat a variety of different, different things. They're known as opportunistic omnivores, anything that has a calorie in it, they're going to eat it. And uh, they do have some preferences based upon season of the year and what's available, but about 80, a little over 80% of their diets, plant matter, um, plant parts, roots. And then they like a lot of animal matter, grubs, earthworms, a lot of the rooting, trying to seek um, earthworm grubs and roots. And then they'll pick up a variety of different things as scavengers. So yeah, they're very, very adaptable in what they eat. Are they aggressive? You say they're omnivores. So do they actually like when they when they eat a uh, a fawn or something like that? Do they hunt it? Do they just stumble upon it? Like how does that work? It's very rare that they're going to be predators or more more scavengers. You know, they'll find the animal if, if it's a ground nesting bird. They like eggs on the ground in areas where they're on the coast, where we have uh, sea turtles nesting. They love to dig up and root up the the, the nest and eat the eggs. So they're not actually pursuing running down animals. Uh, they're more scavengers. And that's my, that's one of the things that makes them a, a challenge, at least from a wildlife perspective, is that they destroy a lot of ground-dwelling uh, wildlife nests and dens. A lot of some of these really sensitive, isolated wetlands that are home to uh, amphibians, uh, they like to go in there and, and eat the eggs and larvae and use a depression to, to cool off. Andrew, how big can they grow to be? 
Uh, you hear a lot of reports of them getting over 300 pounds, but oftentimes they max out around 250 pounds for the boar. Uh, and sows typically don't get over 200 as far as I know. But uh, we have actually had a sow in a trap, one of our collared pigs. And she, I think she weighed in at about 240 pounds. So she was a big girl, but a lot of the reports of their size tend to be exaggerated or they're intentionally released because they are a big pig, like a farm pig. But uh, usually a wild pig will max out around 250 pounds. Every now and then you see something in the news, especially South Georgia, Hogzilla. There'll be a picture of a giant pig like weighing like 500 pounds. Do you think that's uh, folklore? Yeah, I think there's, uh, especially in some of those images, I'm sure there's a little bit of... Uh, you know, photo manipulation or um, using perspective, force perspective. But, uh, and certainly they can get large. I mean, they're large animals, but uh, 500 pounds is a tall order for, for a pig. Uh, they don't get very tall. And I would say, I think, I think the hogzilla, the initial one, I think that was realized to be a farm pig. Yeah, it was, it was thought to be one of the farm pigs released. Uh, do we have an estimate for how many feral pigs there are in the U.S. and, uh, and what state are, states are most affected? Yeah, at the estimate, if you, you look at um, the state wildlife agency's estimates, it's about 6 million pigs. You know, that's that's a rough estimate. And it varies by state. Texas has, has the most, uh, you know, Texas being the biggest state, obviously, has a lot of habitat. But a lot of the southeastern states are also having significant numbers now. And um, and so we've got, um, you know, hogs across the landscape that are, are in a lot of different states and you know that that makes it a challenge. Do you know how South Carolina kind of ranks in the uh, in the order of of population for pigs? Or we do we have a high population among the southeastern states, a lower one? Well, there there was federal funding that was allocated through USDA Wildlife Services to assist uh, landowners in in each state uh, control wild hogs, and they rank that by estimates. Uh, South Carolina was one of those seven states that got federal funding. Uh, we're not the top state, but we certainly are not the lowest. We're probably around in the middle in terms of populations. So you said that the numbers are estimates. Anecdotally, do you think maybe the number is higher or lower than than the six million we're estimating? That's a great question. I don't think we really know. They, you know, it, it just is. Population can fluctuate so much, a variety of different factors and all. So that six million probably is a very, very rough estimate. I mentioned in the intro that they're doing millions of dollars of damage in South Carolina. How much money are we talking about and uh, what type of damage are they doing? Well, if you look at the study that Dr. Shea Rodriguez did here at Clemson in 2016, she, she actually surveyed farmers in the state. And this is just looking at farm damage. And um, they reported back damages over a hundred uh, over a hundred million dollars in the state in one year. Now you gotta you gotta take that with what it is. Those are, that's perceived damage by by farmers. That's not actually going in there and documenting it. But still, that perception and at least in terms of damage to agricultural crops is significant. And that doesn't include damage to other other areas, such as reforestation efforts that have failed. They like to eat the seedling uh, roots, especially in longleaf uh, plantations, uh, and damage they do to landscaped areas. And, and, and then, you know, it's hard to quantify, quantify the ecolo ecological damage they do. Uh, a lot of people talk about uh, the damage, and uh, they take into consideration with uh, farming, for example, and agricultural damage. But, you know, like, there are several other things that they damage. I actually talked to someone that 
the pigs were damaging historical sites, which are, once we lose those, you know, there's really no getting those back once they're damaged beyond repair. So that's just another thing to take into consideration, you know, things such as burial mounds of the indigenous people. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about um, Indian mounds uh, being damaged by these things, but I would imagine, uh, yeah, they're stomping all over everything. One of the things I read was they damage aquatic systems. Can one of you describe what we mean by them damaging aquatic systems? Yeah, I think there's two, two ways to look at it. One is, is hogs have a hard time thermoregulating. And so to dissipate heat, you'll find them, especially in hot summers, close to water. And, and a lot of these areas are sensitive wetlands, uh, as well as um, streams, creeks that have, you know, aquatic or- organisms in them. Just the standpoint of their, their wallowing and rooting, it, it causes siltation in these systems. And, um, and so that's a, that's a direct effect, you know, on a lot of these systems. And then, as we mentioned earlier, d- uh, direct feeding on uh, some of these amphibians that use these isolated wetlands um, for breeding. They're critical in terms of breeding sites, eating the eggs and larvae. Early sexual maturity, two litters a year of 12 to 14 uh, piglets, and they eat everything and anything in sight. That's a uh, that's quite a problem. My understanding is that these things also, on top of all that, uh, carry a lot of diseases that are harmful to livestock and other wildlife and pets and, and even humans. Um, can you guys go into some details about that? Yeah, probably the ones that, that the Wildlife Services is picking up most is uh, pseudorabies and also swine brucellosis. Um, and those are two that affect livestock. And, and certainly can cause abortions, especially the swine brucellosis in close proximity to, to swine production facilities can really shut down those operations in a state. And so that is a direct threat. The other part of it, and they have other diseases, but the other part is, is there a, a vector on the landscape that could t- potentially distribute other types of diseases, not only to, to domestic and wildlife, but potentially people. We've eradicated foot and mouth disease in the United States, but if, if it was ever introduced again, the perfect vector is wild hogs. Can can feral hogs be aggressive towards people and pets? I did a story a couple of years ago about the feral hog population, and there were people uh, like in Gwinnett County and DeKalb County, Georgia, who were their kids were waiting at the bus stop and these things were apparently threatening them. Now, I don't know if, how threatening the behavior was, but they were saying they were, they were threatening them. What, what, what do you know about that? Much like their size, their aggressive, uh, their aggressive behavior is also overstated. They're really, you know, if you back them into a corner, they'll stand their ground. Certainly, if you get them in a trap, they can be hostile. But the reports of them running down people, it just, they're greatly exaggerated. And I think some of their behaviors that are you know, warning people to keep away, or maybe that's perceived as aggression too, but they're really not like, I've never been walking through the woods and been terrified that a pig is going to come attack me. You have to put yourself in a situation to allow that to happen in the first place. Cause every pig I've run into in the wild has run away from me, but I'm certain, certainly like if, if your dog gets out and tries to attack a pig or a piglet, the results could definitely, you know, end in, you know, damage to the dog or potentially fatality with the dog, but that uh, that dog was being aggressive to the pig, so the pig was either standing its ground or protecting its young. So I think they're really not as they're not that big of a threat as people make them out to be. Andrew's right. Um, the, the only challenge would be if, if for some reason they're sow with their with their piglets and and felt their p- piglets were endangered, and they and they don't like dogs. They they certainly don't like dogs. But 
we've caught how many pigs on the Clemson Forest? About 49. And um, been in very, very close proximity with our hand, <laughs> hands on them. And we hadn't been bitten yet. Andrew, the 240-pound uh, sow that you mentioned earlier in the program, was that caught on the Clemson Forest? Yes, it was. And she was out there with actually one of the other pigs that we had collared before. We thought it was a boar because, I mean, the size was just incredible. And then when we found out it was a sow, that kind of I was taken aback a little bit. There's been a little bit of hysteria in the news about something called super pig moving south from Canada. Um, have you guys heard about that? Is that folklore or is it real? And if so, what, what are we talking about? When we're talking about super pigs. You know, wild pigs, they're, they're, they're pretty, um, pretty adaptable. And, and I hate to say they learn very quickly. They have a, a good sense of, of smell and sight. They're fairly intelligent. So, um, I think any any wild hog is is going to have those traits. So I think those are are exaggerated. You know, they're the, the hogs that are on the landscape have a mixed ancestry of of those that come from domestic, feral, and, and European wild boar. So, um, but they're all very savvy. You know, it, you just can't. Say, I don't think we've had one that's really not been attuned and and really. You know, learn a lot of times if you miss them, catch them in a trap, they won't come back or they won't get in a trap. They learn very quickly. And I hold the belief that every pig is a super pig because they're all extremely adaptable, extremely well adjusted anywhere. I mean, they're, they are incredibly smart and they're really hard to trap if they've figured it out. You have to essentially trick them and you're, it, it's, it is fun because it's like a puzzle essentially, but they're, you know, they're incredible animals. It sounds like you uh, and maybe Greg too have a, a bit of respect for these animals. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I respect their ability to survive, their ability to adapt in an envir environment that, frankly, is it's pretty unfriendly to them. Because if you look at where they're from, uh, they're from north northeastern Europe. And uh, so the regions they've taken over now have become, uh, you know, they're in subtropical environments when they originally came from these like boreal northern forests. And their ability to survive and adapt to that is just incredible. And their ability to they, you know, they're, they're problem solvers, really. It's not their fault they're here, but it is our responsibility to deal with them. But they, I mean, they're incredibly interesting animals, and that's why I'm pursuing my master's with them right now. It's just they hold my attention. They're they're fun to figure out, and you know, they're they're constantly thinking and outsmarting you at every step of the way. It feels like sometimes, but there there's a lot to be said for their ability to adapt and overcome the obstacles thrown at them. You know, in a in a new environment that they've been introduced to. So we can add smart and adaptable to early sexual maturity, two litters a year of twelve to fourteen piglets, and they eat just about everything. What are what are some of the things that states are trying to do to control their populations? Yeah, it's it's a multiple approach. You know, look at the ways that states are, are initiating their programs. Um, the most effective way is is by far trapping, using uh, trapping as a method. And they're, they're different types of traps. Not all traps are the same in terms of their effectiveness. Those that allow a landowner to catch multiple uh, pigs at a time are certainly ones that are, are more effective. They, they move in units, family units usually. Uh, a couple of mature females may have several different litters moving with her, and these, these are called sounders. And so you want to try to catch that whole sounder unit, you know, in terms of a control effort. Significant amount are, are shot during deer season in most states by deer hunters, but this is not sufficient to control numbers. Once they're trapped, what do we do with them? Well, it, it depends on what your objectives are. If you know you want to get them off the landscape, um, some people just leave them lay and, and let black and turkey vultures recycle them. Uh, other people will, um, they're great 
table fare, at least the, you know the ones that are, are haven't been around a long time, like the mature boars, and and then other people would bury them. On our project, we're we're burying the ones that we that we remove off the off the property. Is it legal to hunt them in South Carolina? And if so, does hunting them, I mean, even put a dent in them? Because it seems like they're just they're so efficient at reproducing. It is legal. You have to have a, a hunting license to be able to uh, pursue them. Certainly on private lands, you can can hunt year, year round um, if you have a hunting license. On state lands, you have to hunt within the regulations, the hunting seasons. But certainly that's just only one of USDA Wildlife Services has uh, trappers that help assist landowners in, in South Carolina. Certainly that is that is helping. Andrew, did I read, was there an effort being made in like Texas or somewhere to, to poison the pigs? As far as I know, poison is not legal for use in the United States. They've been doing work with uh, contraceptives. They're looking at contraceptives as well to potentially, you know, make them infertile and prevent them from reproducing. But the problem right now that they're facing is how do you do that and administer that to pigs without affecting native species that we care about, like white-tailed deer? Uh, but as far as I know, you can't use toxicants for any animal. No, to- toxins, toxicants are not labeled uh, registered for uh, wild pigs. There is some experimental work being done by USDA Wildlife Services. They're testing a product that has warfarin in it, which is the same active ingredient in rat poison. Um, and it seems to be very effective. There's also so- sodium nitrate, which is ironically is a preservative in bacon. It's very uh, toxic to, to hogs. But the challenge is how do you deliver it to the animals if you're feeding it through some kind of pelleted bait or other wildlife uh, don't pick it up. There have been hoppers developed uh, that have been specific for hogs to only access the bait. Um, it re- those really haven't been tested where black bear also their habitat overlap. So I think there's a lot, a lot of work still needs to be done, but it's experimental right now. Andrew, tell us about uh, some of the work that you're doing to understand uh, feral hogs and try to control their population? Yeah, so part of my project is going to be working with public outreach and developing a website to provide people with the information that they need to, if they wanted to control pigs, they'll have access to that information. Uh, Then learning more about them, because I've talked to some people that either don't know they exist or don't know that they're a problem. So getting the word out about that is crucial. And then uh, having the public stay up to date on control methods and new research. And as our understanding evolves, we can give that information to the public, which is crucial, you know, to bridge the gap between managers and the public and then uh, researchers. And then the other part of my project is going to be a research portion. And I'm looking at a baited camera array where I'm going to identify individual hogs based on their color markings. So usually if you're going to identify individual animals, you need a tag or a um, some identifying characteristic. But luckily, pigs lend themselves really well to this because a lot of them have a unique coat pattern in the uh, United States because they share that domestic and wild stock. So I'm going to be using that to look at density estimates, trying to get density estimates from a camera array that used bait. Um, and then from that, kind of see what factors might be influencing their density across the landscape as well. And that was in the Piedmont region of South Carolina. When do you uh, anticipate being done or having some results? Yeah, so the, the website should be functional by the end of the semester. It'll be up and running and spreading the word about that's going to be big because what's the point of having a website if nobody knows about it? So that'll be kind of a crucial element to that. Uh, as far as the thesis aspects, that'll probably be another year. So I'll be graduating in spring 24. Will the website have a reporting function where people can report if they have a, a problem at their house or their property? That is certainly something I want to look into. 
Uh, I'm also going to provide contact information for people that can help them, you know, eradicate pigs should they choose to, or maybe provide them with more knowledge and a deeper understanding of the control methods. Greg, my understanding is there's something called the Wild Hog Task Force. Can you uh, can you talk about that? How long it's been in existence and and what its what its initiatives and missions are? About ten years ago, we began to to see problems with, with wild hogs in, in South Carolina, and so a lot of the the agencies got together and talked about at least awareness. How do we inform the public that they're on the landscape? And so these agencies and organizations came together to create a task force. It's uh, over 20 different groups. And what it does is it provides uh, information about awareness in, in some of the challenges uh, in terms of what hogs do, and then some some management approaches to try to control them, as well as latest research. So website is, is, is available for those that want to, to view it. And, and certainly the task force meets every year and updates the current research that's being done and hopefully apply that in the field where we can. Uh, Clemson has a really neat program. It's called Creative Inquiry, and it's a uh, undergraduate research program where students can come together on a research project and Clemson provides a little bit of seed money for their research. Does Is there a creative inquiry around uh, what feral hogs and their their control? There is. We began this last uh, spring semester with Dr. Erin Bucholtz, uh, who's a professor here at Clemson. She and I began a, a task force to try to look at wild hogs on the Clemson forest. We've had hogs on the Clemson forest for probably about 12 years and starting to cause problems. So we wanted to give students hands-on experience in the field and try to first understand how the, the hogs are making a living on the forest. And so what we did was we had last spring semester. We had 11 students working in the field with Andrew. Andrew was a vital part of this. He, he helped locate where the hogs were. And so we put traps up and trapped the hogs and tranquilized them and, and put transmitters on them. The point being to, to understand a little bit about their movements, the areas they were using, uh, home ranges, so we could use that hopefully to, to help us in, in managing the hogs. So it's been a really fun project, a lot of work. I know Andrew has done a lot of the work in the field, but it's it's really been something I think that's helped un, help the students understand the importance of research to provide answers. Well, feral hogs do indeed sound like they're ecological zombies, but it sounds like we're doing what we can to try to control their populations. Greg, Andrew, thanks for joining me on Earthly today. Jonathan, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Jonathan, thank you for uh, allowing us to come on. Earthly is a production of Clemson University and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Listeners can find archived episodes of Earthly, transcripts, and learn more about our guests by visiting clemson.edu slash earthly.